0: It's May 2000, and MSF's operations in Chechnya are slowly starting back up again after three years of being run remotely from headquarters in the Russian Federation and Ingushetia. Although the bombing stops, allowing limited access, general insecurity is pervasive, and restarting these programmes is not without risks.
1: Paris thought opening up and doing a big operation would create too much risk, whereas we in the field felt that we were taking risk and would have more risk if we weren't seen to be acting and responding to the needs.
0: The teams find utter destruction in Chechnya, making it hard to work there. MSF Holland's regional advisor in the Caucasus, Kenny Gluck, writes an article on the MSF International website about the current situation for returning refugees.
2: After arriving for the first time in summer 1995, I had then described the city as completely devastated. What is the superlative up from that by an order or two? There is life. Best estimates place the number of residents at around 50,000 and growing steadily. Many represent temporary visitors checking on home and contents, although it is not clear how large this portion is. What they find is barely a home left untouched.
0: The article continues.
2: 20% of homes have been reduced to rubble, we are told by an informed source. Only another 20% remain habitable, and the remainder will need serious repairs to become homes again. And that does not mention the lack of gas, water and electricity. We saw numerous people dragging and carting canisters of water which were collected where water could be found. Just like in nearby Lyomontova, where over 60 people now have come down with typhoid,
0: which has infected the water source for the village. People are doing their best to survive in the ruins and clean up enough to set up medical facilities.
2: We come to a polyclinic with another garage door-sized hole. Two women, who in normal times are nurses at the clinic, are busy dragging twisted metal sheeting and debris to the side. The head doctor is there to meet us. She is setting out to turn this windowless shell without instruments and drugs back
0: into a clinic. One of the staff from the MSF North Caucasus team remembers their work there. Their words have been voiced up. Once we receive permission to enter
3: Chechnya, we formed teams in which we had a doctor, a medical assistant and a logistician. While they were doing the monitoring and handing over the drugs to the people in charge, the head doctor of the facility would see the other medical workers. Meanwhile, the medical assistants would collect all these cases, filling in the forms directly with the people who'd been affected and also with the medical staff.
0: With an international team back on the ground in Chechnya, MSF tries to put the war back into the spotlight in the world's media. But the term war is again causing disagreement between sections, with some asking whether it's MSF's place to be calling for this term. Especially when dealing with a superpower like Russia that has a veto at the UN Security Council and a tradition of propaganda and media control. What difference will any media strategy really make? This is Speaking Out War Crimes and the Politics of Terror in Chechnya, 1994 to 2004, a podcast by MSF. I'm Nick Owen. Episode 5 All on the Same Page.
4: Today, we say enough.
2: Even war has rules. 500 the frontier jour à l'autre d'être Stop the bombing of defenseless
4: civilians in Chechnya. It will be a scientific uh, research for that. We know that those people are dying.
0: The MSF teams are in Chechnya to provide medical care and aid. Yet it's hard to ignore the stories they hear from patients and the ruins of the country they see around them. Field coordinator Dr. Eric Comte for MSF France. The MSF managers didn't ask us in any way to work on collecting
4: witness statements. Had they asked, we may have done so. But with neither the methodology nor any experience in collecting witness statements, it was perhaps also a little early to do so. We were not yet at the point of seeking to speak out. We were even not speaking much about what we were doing. We were mainly interested in finding ways of working. Our strategy was essentially to keep quiet, so we could have access to patients. However, in Grodzny, opportunities for direct witness accounts were readily available. We were conscious, for example, of the state of the city. It had been razed. There were checkpoints everywhere, and deserted streets with occasional old women sweeping the roads and people emerging from cellars. The maternity hospital had been completely destroyed. We were well aware of the horrific incidents that had taken place there, and yet there were still one or two births a day, and people spoke about the horrors of their everyday lives. We had a good perspective on this because these were not combatants, but rather women and children. It was everyday life continuing through the birthing process and therefore a good source of information. It was a matter of collecting information on child health, of seeing whether there were malnutrition problems or childbirth difficulties, etc. So I felt sufficiently at ease to do some witness accounts in this area, and during one program manager visit, the question was raised. In my view, this would have provided a good MSF account, because it would have demonstrated a particular reality and highlighted some personal stories.
0: But that didn't happen. Dans la MSF Holland has been working on a new communication strategy. Their priority is developing contacts in the Russian media rather than the European or North American press. Their draft advocacy policy lays out these
5: aims. To heighten awareness of the humanitarian situation in Chechnya and Ingushetia in and the Russian public, in order to raise pressure on the Russian government to lessen the abuses of federal forces and violations of humanitarian law in Chechnya, and Provide increased levels of support to the social services in Chechnya and Ingushetia.
0: With operations active inside the country, those in the Dutch section who were apprehensive now get behind this plan. On the 18th of July, programme managers at all the other MSF sections in the North Caucasus agree to the principles of this policy. In mid August, the results of a survey with Chechen refugees are published in the press. The survey was conducted back in June by an MSF Belgium team working with refugees in Ingushetia. Jean-Christophe Dollet is coordinator of MSF Belgium's North Caucasus project. It was hard to know
3: how to talk about this conflict. We told ourselves that we'd try to carry out a quasi-sociological survey, one that was as objective as possible and that we would avoid taking any stance that could be interpreted as political as we knew that Brussels was hypersensitive on that score. We wanted to do something with columns and numbers. If we ask people for their main reason for not wanting to return home, and 30% reply, for fear of being killed, another 30% reply, our home has been destroyed, and the remaining 30% say, because I don't want to be tortured, then that tells you all you need to know. We said to ourselves, we have a great team in the field, so let's have them work on the survey. The sample was pretty
0: significant. 10% of the district's refugee population is interviewed, and the survey concludes that 70% of refugees were scared of returning to Chechnya because of security concerns. In line with the new joined-up communication strategy, the report is sent to all Russian press and international media. At the same time, MSF Belgium establishes a second team in Moscow to manage the missions in the North Caucasus, plus another team concentrating on the city's homeless population. A third team is set up in Siberia for prisoners suffering from tuberculosis. The recently elected Russian president, Vladimir Putin, is due to travel to Paris for an EU-Russia summit at the end of October. MSF France wants to use his presence in the country to refocus media attention on the situation in Chechnya. Following a meeting in September, the deputy director of communications, Anne Fouchard, circulates an internal briefing document to the MSF movement, outlining the humanitarian, media and political context in which the summit is due to take place. It reads,
5: In short, MSF should play the provocation, perhaps even the subversion card, ...during the Putin visit. The main aim of doing so... ...would be to expose the situation... ...and three subsidiary objectives would be... ...to break down the wall of silence... ...protest against the hypocrisy of such a meeting... ...and force Chechnya to be included in the summit agenda.
0: Opinions are divided on whether a public statement... ...needs to be backed up by epidemiological data. Emails fire back and forth around MSF France... The MSF Deputy Legal Advisor wants to work with teams in the field to find out what's feasible and what's already in the works. They stress, our analysis needs to be solidly backed up if we want to take Putin on. Meanwhile, member of the Board of Directors, Virginie Rasson, writes,
5: We have the right to make errors, but we have less right to fail to try, using the excuse that we did not have an epidemiological survey on the suffering and fate of Chechen children, which would provide us with the certainty of believing what we have believed for a long time. The aim in this case relates not to our scientific objectivity, which nevertheless remains a fallback position, nor to MSF's credibility vis-à-vis its donors and other providers, but rather to what our independence can bring to the Chechen people. I say this without wishing to seem utopian, and for this reason I hope that we will not restrain our imagination.
0: A draft campaign to place posters in the Paris underground is rejected by the contractors responsible for allocating space, for being too political. MSF legal adviser Françoise Boucher-Solnier is keen for this to not only be seen as a French campaign.
5: France has already taken a somewhat different stance on Chechnya from other European countries. It seems to me important that MSF not be seen as a French organisation on this matter. We must seek to raise public and diplomatic awareness in Britain, Germany, etc. In short, those who count in Europe. So let's be very careful not to get onto a narrowly French bandwagon. We have offices in these countries, and it would be a sign of strength to involve them.
0: MSF France is also still pressing to have the events in Chechnya described as a war to counteract the anti-terrorist operation description being promoted by Russia but MSF Holland again disagrees. Their regional coordinator, Kenny Gluck, outlines his reasons for why he believes fighting for this qualification is irrelevant in a message to the MSF France and MSF Holland Chechnya group.
2: One, the first problem is that Russia has never disputed the fact that the conflict is an internal armed conflict, as defined in the Geneva Conventions. Two, there is little value in disputing Russia's propaganda terms. All countries engaged in war come up with innocent-sounding euphemisms to describe their activities. 3. By focusing on the continuing trauma, we focus attention on the war's conduct and its human consequences. Here we actually can speak about something we know about.
0: However, everyone does agree on the need to document the situation more thoroughly. In the end, interviews and articles by programme managers and coordinators from the Dutch and French sections are put out in the French and international press. There's still a worry that speaking out could impact on the organization's programmes and staff in the region. But most feel that the risk of being thrown out by the Russian authorities is now low.
2: The international medical charity, Médecins Sans Frontières, has sharply criticised the conduct of Russian forces in the breakaway Republic of Chechnya. A report by the group said the Russians were still causing many civilian casualties by the indiscriminate use of force, which it denounced as the politics of terror.
0: Reports the BBC World Service on the 22nd of November 2000. Many other news outlets around the world are also covering MSF's latest report on the humanitarian situation in Chechnya. The BBC continues.
2: It also cites a litany of eyewitness accounts gathered by the charity's relief workers, which the BBC Moscow correspondent says paint an appalling picture of summary executions, arbitrary arrests, and the beating and torture of civilians. The charity estimates that 300,000 people are still refugees. The Russian authorities have repeatedly denied human rights abuses, except in a few individual cases more than 2,500 Russian military personnel have died in the conflict.
0: The title of the report is Chechnya, the Politics of Terror, and it details MSF's findings since being allowed back into the country at the start of the year. A collection of patient accounts are handed out at a press conference, and the main points are laid out in a press release. It reads...
5: Medical data proves that the indiscriminate use of force always creates high numbers of civilian victims. The wounds are a result of artillery fire, bullet wounds, aerial attacks or landmines. Between September and October 2000, over 280 fresh war wounded were treated in 12 to 30 still-functioning hospital structures. The war continues in Chechnya, despite the illusion of normalisation given by the Russian leadership.
0: The report has been timed to coincide with a meeting of the Council of Europe in Brussels that morning. MSF and a number of other humanitarian organisations have been asked to brief the Council as part of a review on whether to reverse the suspension of Russia's membership to it. MSF France Deputy Communications Director Anne Fouchard.
6: Journalists were pressing us to make statements. The whole affair was like a dog biting its tail. Journalists needed to be able to source their information, to be able to say that MSF had published a report, and so we needed to do so. Steve Cornish, who was in the field, was pushing hard to obtain witness accounts, but in fact, he had nothing to give us. The only ones who had something to say were the MSF Holland team. Kenny, who was briefed by Steve, contacted us. He came to Paris and we worked together using the accounts he provided to compile a report that he presented to the Council of Europe. We had to re-photocopy the 70 copies at the last minute because a witness name had remained on one page which was not acceptable. So we refined the report and I think it stood up well. The aim was to demonstrate from a medical perspective the violence people were suffering. But what we had, which in the end was not much, was overused. It consisted mostly of indirect accounts.
0: Since not many journalists can go into Chechnya at the moment, it's considered a useful report. Kenny Gluck from MSF Holland outlines how the Dutch and French sections work to compile it. His words have been voiced up.
1: Before we issued the Politics of Terror Report and before we did the television interviews, we had a meeting with the whole local staff in which we had a kind of debate, saying is this worth it? MSF could be thrown out, MSF could be shot, and you guys, Chechens, can be arrested and tortured. The initial reaction of the more junior people, the guards and the drivers and so on, was reluctant because they wanted to keep their jobs. And it was the seniors of our team who were pushing with this very proud attitude, we are Chechens, these are our people. Communicating this internationally is more important than the programme and we're willing to take this risk. We used our fame and we brought a little bit more attention to Chechnya and Europe. It was a little bit more difficult because journalists were so scared to go into Chechnya. So we provided a kind of legitimacy of the image by having foreigners who would speak about it. Whereas so many of the journalists had never been inside. Even the Human Rights Watch people, the foreigners, had never been inside. It was all done with Russians and and Chechens. And sadly, in the Western press, having a foreigner speak about it has more weight than having a local person. I think morally it was very important for the Chechens.
0: One caucus's staff member remembers. Their words have been voiced up. I thought it would
3: be better to speak out
0: for the whole world to know whether we were to die after
3: this or not wasn't important to me because I thought people do not know and I'd like everyone to know the truth. Not only was the Caucasus staff thinking along these lines, but also the population. The population was wondering, why are these foreigners not talking? Why are they keeping silent? This was the feeling. Sometimes I had to explain to the population, you see, it's because if they say something, then they'll be shut down and nobody will let them work. They will be stuck without any kind of assistance. The fact that we're here helps us to avoid some of the torture and mistreatment. Without them, it would be much worse than what we have now. Everybody understood the presence of the NGOs. This is not only humanitarian, I mean not only direct help, but also moral support and the thought that somehow it stopped the authorities and the military forces behaving more brutally.
0: Next time. Kidnappings are becoming more commonplace in Chechnya and closer to home for MSF, as various staff members are held for questioning. Then, a key member of the team in the North Caucasus is taken hostage.
6: Kenny gave evidence to the Council of Europe and then he was kidnapped at the beginning of January. I was very shaken and I asked myself whether we hadn't stuck our necks out too far to end up with these problems.
0: No one knows which side has taken Kenny, and questions are asked as to whether there's a causal link between MSF's decision to speak out in the media and the kidnapping. Should this dampen the organisation's willingness to speak out and criticise governments, or should this be the time to double down on their message? This MSF Speaking Out podcast is based on an original MSF case study called War Crimes and Politics of Terror in Chechnya, 1994-2004. It's written by Laurence Binet and is part of the Speaking Out case study series, a project by MSF International. This podcast series is written, produced and mixed by Andrea Rangecroft. Interviews are recorded by Lucy Dearlove. Editorial direction is from Nancy Barrett, Laurence Binet, and Rebecca Golden-Timsar. The narrator is Nick Owen. Extracts are read by Didi Bellos and Matthew Wade. The voiceovers are by Michael Barrett, Christopher Bachman, Kevin Halliwell, Chris Kellam, and Alex Vincent. The music is by Lost Harmonies and Peter Sandberg. A special thanks to Dr. Eric Comte, Jean-Christophe Dole, and Anne Fouchard. To read the full case study and discover others, please go to our website, msf.org slash speaking out. Thanks for listening.